Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the Mimiverse Monthly Audiocast. I'm your host, writer-director Christopher R. Mim, and I want to know, are you there? Are you listening? How have you been? Thank you so much for uh, checking out the latest edition of the podcast. I hope it finds you in good spirits and good health. Myself, I'm doing all right. Keeping very, very busy. And if you're a fan of my films, let me tell you why you're going to dig it. Because I have been very, very busy working on Wereskido Nazi Hunter. We are halfway done with principal photography. This is a this is a good thing. Principal photography is sort of the main shooting of the film, getting all the footage to put together into a movie. So we've got about half of the scenes done, half of the the shoot done. And on top of that, because I shoot on the weekends and around people's schedules, there's always some downtime. So, you know, I'll shoot maybe on Friday and Saturday and then I have the rest of the week before I have to shoot again. That gives me the opportunity to edit the film as I go. It's part of my process, and it's part of why I've been able to pump out a movie a year. I've got the process down, or at least the way it works best for me. So I've been editing the film as we go, and not only is it turning out amazing, and I mean really, really cool, very dark. I've been talking about how dark this movie is from the very beginning. It's very dark in in a very, very cool way, and I've got about almost 20 minutes of the finished film edited which is is good because the film itself will probably clock in around 70 to 75 minutes. I'm a quarter of the way done with the editing process. And I'm trying some new stuff, things I haven't done before. I'm, I'm messing around with some lighting things, messing around with darkness, not only in the, the look of it, but the story as well. Let's just say this. The target audience of Wereskido Nazi Hunter is not the same as the target audience of Danny Johnson saves the world, which is to say Danny Johnson, of course, was specifically made for kids. Well, the kid, the kid and all of us really, but this one is not made for kids. I'm not saying your kids can't watch it, but I would say if you like my films and you watch them with your kids, watch it first and make sure that you feel that it's appropriate for them. Honestly, it's nothing worse than they probably see in your average superhero movie. But my films tend to be much more innocent, and this one has some real darkness in it. And I'm excited to share it with you, but uh, please, if you're going to uh, show your kids, please watch it first, okay? But don't worry about that. You have some time, if uh, your kids are big fans. You have some time to tell them. It's coming out, but I may have to watch it first to make sure it's okay for you. Honestly, uh, my kids have seen some of the stuff we've done and some of the stuff we have finished is some of the more quote-unquote hardcore stuff. It's funny referring to my movies as hardcore because they aren't and probably never will be. But my hardcore stuff is all done and I've, you know, some of my little kids have watched it and uh, my youngest has seen some of it and it does scare him a little. He doesn't want to admit it because he's tough, but it scares him. Whereas uh, Elliot Mim, who played Danny Johnson, of course, who's now 13 years old, is like, ooh, this is awesome. This is cool. But now he's becoming a jaded teenager, so what can you expect? So that's happening. That's going on, and it's it's turning out really well. The design of the Wereskido monster was revealed recently. Uh, you can see it if you go to the April 2016 Mimiverse Monthly newsletter. 
or uh, there was an article about it on dreadcentral.com that revealed the look of the beast. Mitch Gonzalez, of course, who has created all of our fantastic monster designs over the last, I don't know, seven films, did a great job and created something quite terrifying and creepy. And it's cool because uh, some of the aesthetic for it was not necessarily... I mean, we started off with the idea of it just being a straightforward, the fly, you know, and the fly, the fly's head is just a fly's head on a man. We started off at the beginning with the idea that the Weresquito would just look like a man with a mosquito's head, but Mitch was never happy with it, and I wasn't really happy with it either, I suppose, because Mitch wasn't happy with it. I honestly would have been cool either way, but uh, Mitch is the man when it comes to this stuff, and I like to defer to him just because he's good at what he does. And he wasn't happy with it. And I think we went back and forth and finally we hit on the most important thing. And that is that it should look like an amalgamation of a man and a mosquito. It should look like the halfway point, the blending, the hybridization of a man and a mosquito. And that's what Mitch came up with. And I think it's creepy as hell. And uh, Doug Sidney, of course, who is playing the human version of of the monster because of course Michael Kaiser is playing the monster version of the monster. It wouldn't be a mim movie without it. Douglas Sidney is playing the human version. Of course he played Barney Collins. Oh, so amazingly in the wall people, Doug himself has a, a divine ability to channel darkness and anger and animosity in a way that a few other actors I've worked with can do. And so actually being able to see what we've, filmed so far and put together made me realize that choosing Doug as the lead for this was absolutely the best choice. It's interesting as a filmmaker having to choose actors to play certain parts and to a certain extent some actors get lost in the character and some actors their personality comes through no matter what. Daniel Shervin who's played many of the leads uh, in my films most recently the uh, the giant spider has the type of personality that's jovial and and scoundrelly, if that's a word. I don't think it really is, but he's got a charm to him that uh, makes people like him, even if he's at times, you know, being snarky. It still makes you like him, and and that comes through no matter what he's in. And that's not to say that I couldn't imagine him in a darker role. I can, but Doug tends to play on the edge very well. And I, maybe Doug himself is on the edge and I just don't know it. I don't think so, but he's doing an absolutely perfect job. In other casting news for Weresquito, Rachel Grubb is back. Rachel Grubb was an actress who appeared as Amy in Monster Phantom Lake and Hagra in Cave Women on Mars. And she hasn't been around the Mimiverse since. But uh, Rachel is, you know, a good friend of the Mimiverse. And She's always wanted to get back into it. Of course, she had moved away for a while and nothing was working out per se to, to get her back. And finally, we were able to get her back in. So we're excited to have her back into the fold, as it were. It's coming together so well. And, and I have to say, I have to purposely make a point to say this out loud. James Norgard, Mr. Jim, dear God, no Norgard, who has played several characters in the Mimiverse, best known as Dr. Gabriel from the Giant Spider and the Wall People, 
is playing the big, bad, evil Nazi doctor guy. And he is knocking it out of the park. When I asked him to play the character, I knew he could do it. I've said it before. I, I have faith in him. And he has not let me down. There's a creepy joviality to his character that he is embracing. And he's enjoying the taste of scenery. Of course, with the type of films I make, the villains must chew as much scenery as possible, and Jim is doing a tremendous job. So, Where's Skeetle, Nazi Hunter, is continuing production, and we're having a great time. And now's my chance to tell you that you can still contribute to the production, and you should. Go to Where'sKeetle.com, W-E-R-E-S-Q-U-I-T-O.com, and, uh, you know, throw a couple bucks our way to make sure that the film continues and is finished with the high standards we have set for this particular production. Everything you give us helps way more than you realize in making sure that not only this film turns out well, but that the Mimiverse itself continues. If you like my movies and you'd like to see more, please help us out. Throw us a couple bucks and get your name in the credits. And come to the premiere, because this one's going to be cool. I'm going to say it right now, just so people can start thinking about it. I think, realistically speaking, the premiere for Where Skeeto Nazi Hunter will most likely be, should nothing negative or catastrophic happen between now and the end of production, should everything go the way it should, the premiere date will be the last Wednesday in September. Of course, we'll be premiering at the Heights if we can get the date. Pretty much as soon as I finish shooting, I will probably lock that down with the Heights to make sure that happened. But as of right now, that is what I am shooting for. Because October is a very busy season for screenings and conventions and events. And I want to hit the ground running and really be ready to go as soon as October hits. Put it on your calendars, but put it in pencil just because... It may change. It may be the week earlier. Who knows? It's going to depend on the theater, of course. I have always done Wednesdays in May and April. I don't know if the owner of the Heights may have an issue with me doing a movie in September. However, traditionally, September is not a great time for films at the theater. It's not Oscar season quite yet, and it's also past the big blockbuster summer season, so September tends to be pretty quiet, so I imagine I should be able to nail that down. That's what I'm thinking. Last Wednesday in September, I think it's the 28th, that's when I want to do it. That's that's what I'm shooting for. That's my goal. In other Mimiverse news, if you're a regular listener of this podcast, but you're not someone who uses iTunes to download your copies of the podcast, you may not be aware that I started a little side project called The Phantom Lake Almanac. The Phantom Lake Almanac is a different podcast that is specifically designed to be a sort of what-if scenario of what would a Prairie Home Companion sound like in the Mimiverse. The answer is kind of like Welcome to Night Vale. But not in a bad way, in a good way. I wrote a pilot script and I recorded it and I released it last month. And so it's out in the wild. 
If you are on iTunes and that's where you get your copies of this podcast, you should have seen it already and perhaps you listened and enjoyed it. If you didn't, well, I'm not talking to you anymore. Too bad. I enjoyed making it. If you have not heard it, I highly recommend checking it out. You can find it at iTunes. Otherwise, if you go to archive.org and do a search for Phantom Lake Almanac, the Phantom Lake Almanac episode one was released. It's about 40 minutes long. I think it turned out great. It's entertaining and weird. I purposely created it as a way to flesh out some of the things in the Mimiverse that are only touched upon. In this particular episode, I talked a lot about how the Phantom Lake community dealt with the disappearance of the teenagers in the monster of Phantom Lake. There's a touch of the X-Files in the Phantom Lake Almanac. And I put it together like a bit of a ridiculous community radio show. And I do my best to sound like Garrison Keeler. Prairie Home Companion is based in Minnesota, and so am I. So it made some weird sort of logical sense. So please, if you would, check it out if you haven't heard it. And if you have and you liked it, I, I would like to know, because I have not yet made any determination on whether or not I should do more episodes. It was it was a decent amount of work, and I'm not afraid of work. However, it was a decent amount of work, and I have a lot of other stuff I'm doing at the same time. So if people aren't really listening to it, I, I just I don't have the time and energy to uh, put into it. However, if people are enjoying it and would like to hear more, I would... Love to continue it because it was kind of fun to do. <laughs> and it was something different. And it did add a new dimension to the Mimiverse. And I'm all about adding dimensions. So, if you would, go to sainteuphoria.com slash contact.html or just go to sainteuphoria.com and click on contact in the navigation at the top and fill out the form and let me know that you liked it. Let me know if you want more. Let me know what you think. I would greatly appreciate it. So, that's kind of what's going on in the Mimiverse right now. Now, I would like to talk about an idea I had, and uh, what's next? After Wereskido. I had an idea. It's actually an idea based on a challenge I have for myself. And that is, I've always thought it'd be fun to shoot a movie really crazy quickly. Up until now, I've never shot a movie in less than like three months. Mostly because I have shot around other people's schedules. Because my budgets are so small, no one gets paid, including me. We do it for the love. Because of this, I've always made a point to schedule when we shoot the films so that it's most convenient for everybody involved, as opposed to saying, hey, this is when we're shooting it. If you're available, you can be in it. If not, too bad. And I've been told that I'm one of the few people who actually does that. I just think it's common courtesy because I'm not paying these really awesome people in money. I do try to pay them in food and DVDs and stuff. Stuff that, if they wanted, they could turn around and sell and make some money. Since I haven't been able to pay people, I've always thought, well, you know, it's only right of me not to demand that they, say, not make money at their day job and then come and work for me for free. It's made it so when we shoot movies, it obviously takes longer than it probably should because we have to spread this stuff out. Like, for instance, 
Weresquito Nazi Hunter, you know, we've been shooting for about two months now, and we have about a month and a half left because we've only been able to shoot on Saturdays and Sundays and the occasional Friday, which is not terrible, but it spreads it out. Other films, especially back in the day, would just shoot, 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 and just get it done. Roger Corman, the B-movie king from the 50s and still alive today, one of the most prolific filmmakers ever and, and one of my idols, would shoot things in a couple days, a week maybe. And so I've been thinking about this, that I would love to just once write a script with the intention that it would be shot in 10 days or less on purpose. You know, it'd be very clear to everybody else, this is the challenge. If you can be available at that time, knowing how much time you're going to have to give me, and the budget's going to be non-existent, but we're just going to marathon the crap out of it, then you can be in it. And so I've been thinking about wanting to do that for a long time. And I've discussed this quite a bit over the last couple of years. And of course, it hasn't worked out. But recently, I came up with an idea, which I think would work. I think I'm going to try. And you can't hold me to this because it sounds like a great idea now, but you never know what is going to happen over the next couple months. But I have this idea where, say, next August... Before the kids go back to school, I want to shoot a movie in 10 days or less. And I have an idea for one that would be fantastic. And it would revolve around something that I've gotten quite a few requests for over the years, and that is more songs in my movies. And because The Monster of Phantom Lake, the musical, is still a rockin' and rollin' along, it's supposed to debut at the end of July, I think July 21st. So I would do this after that. A lot of people like the music. A rockin', a rollin', all the way a ramblin' in Monster Phantom Lake, paddling along, and it came from the world, and then, of course, the Giant Spider theme song and the late-night double feature and credits theme by Bad Horse. Music has played a small role in the Mimiverse, and I've gotten a lot of requests over the years that people want more. So I think what would work really nicely for this particular idea of shooting something very, very quickly is I want to make a beach blanket bingo-esque monster dance party movie where the script itself is probably 40 to 45 pages and that's the actual dialogue and stuff and then throughout the film is peppered different songs that are written specifically for the movie so the reason i'm telling you this now is that if you are a musician or know a musician or musicians or in a band or whatever and you've ever thought it'd be fun to write music for a cheesy old monster movie, what I want you to do is contact me. My email address is chris at sainteuphoria.com, S-A-I-N-T-E-U-P-H-O-R-I-A.com. And let me know you're interested, and we'll talk about what I'm looking for and what you can do, and we'll go from there. And just maybe, 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 your band may be featured in the film because it would still be feature length. So I always try to shoot for between at least 65 minutes. And like I said, the script would be about 40 to 45, which would mean that the actual dialogue parts would be about 45 minutes worth of stuff. When you add the opening credits and the end credits, you're about 45 minutes, right? About a minute a page. That leaves me about 20 to 25 minutes for music. That would be in the film, and the bands would be featured in the movie. And if the band didn't want to be in it, we'll make a fake band that'll pretend to play your music. If you're interested, 
please contact me, chris at sentuphoria.com, and let's talk. So, I guess beyond that, I ain't got much else. Just keeping busy, making the movies, and getting out there and doing some stuff. We have some cool events coming up. If you were listening to this right after it came out in April 2016, don't forget to join us for the 24-hour Mimathon in Columbus, Ohio, where Midnight Monster Movies with Dr. Bob, of course, Dr. Bob Tesla always sends us a bad joke uh, to put into the uh, the audio cast. And it's really, they're good bad jokes. They're not bad jokes. They're just misunderstood, to paraphrase Mr. Lobo, the awesome horror host. Dr. Bob uh, is throwing a little uh, shindig 24 hours straight of Mimiverse Films plus Justin Overlander's The Bequeather, which of course is the Mimiverse-inspired comedy that he created that stars a couple of people from other Mimiverse films and was some of which was shot in the same house that House of Ghosts was shot at. You'll see some cameos by people you'll recognize, including me. Uh, and I have a line, and I tried to act, and I do terrible. But you should go for that reason to see how bad I truly am. So that event is on April 16th at the Gateway Film Center in Columbus, Ohio. If you go to MidnightMonsterMovies.com, you should be able to find out more information. Also, on April 20th, I will be bringing a special double feature of The Giant Spider and The Wall People to the Balboa Theater in San Francisco, California, if you're near the area, come on out. It's a Wednesday night, so what else you got going on? Come on out, 7 o'clock. I'll be there to present the films. I'd love to meet you and hang out with you and watch some movies and see what you think. Bring friends. Let's do this. And, of course, on May 6th, I will be showing The Monster of Phantom Lake in 3D at the Big Thrill Factory in Minnetonka, Minnesota, and that is part of the Super Monster City. It's a screening series that will be going on at the Big Thrill Factory. I will be there. Uh, Monster Maker Mitch Gonzalez will be there to talk. We'll have a table selling stuff. They're going to have collectibles. It's going to be really cool, and you should go if you're in the Twin Cities area and you want to see the Monster Phantom Lake in 3D. And then every Friday after that in May, they're doing other cool stuff. Check that out. If you go to the events page at sainteuphoria.com, there are links from there about all these upcoming events, including some others that will be probably added to the calendar very soon, including one that uh, I'm very excited about, which will be a screening of probably the giant spider with era appropriate newsreels from back in the day, some old trailers. I'm going to do a whole presentation, I guess you'd say, uh, at the Alamo Draft House in Richardson, Texas, which is, of course, in the DFW Metroplex. So if you're a Texas fan of the films and would like to come on out and see a movie and some old newsreels and hang out with me, you should. That should be in June. It's not necessarily set in stone as of right now, but as soon as it is, if you check out the events page at sainteuphoria.com, it'll be there once it's all ready to go. All right, so... That's pretty much what's going on in the Mimiverse. Uh, come on out to an event. If you if there's one near you, I'd love to meet you and hang out with you. We'll go out for noodles afterwards or something. Come on. Please contribute to Werskito Nazi Hunter at Werskito.com. And, of course, check out the Phantom Lake Almanac. Go to iTunes and search for it, or just go to archive.org and search for it, or, or check out SaintEuphoria.com. Listen to the Phantom Lake Almanac, and then let me know if you like it and if I should do more. 
Lastly, before we go to Dr. Bob Tesla with his misunderstood joke, uh, and before, of course, we get to the 14th chapter of the ongoing Canoe Cops serial, the Canoe Cops versus the Mummy, of which is wrapping up here in a couple months, so it's getting close. Before we do that, I'm going to read a couple Amazon reviews of The Giant Spider, because this has kind of become an ongoing thing, because they're always all over the place. And the funny thing is, <laughs> is there is no middle point, it seems, when it comes to people enjoying or hating The Giant Spider. Quite literally, the last four reviews of The Giant Spider on Amazon.com, the last four, two were five stars and two were one star. Apparently, there is no one who's like, eh, I liked it, it was okay. I give it two or three stars. No, they're always like, I hate this movie. I think it should be burned or I really love this movie. There's just, there's just no middle point. I don't know if that's the nature of Amazon or what, but it's true. So I'm going to read a couple of them. I guess I'll start with the oldest and work my way to the newest. Uh, the oldest was from late February and it was five stars and it said delightful, delightful. It was nicely done for the genre, and the best part was the credits. This was a family affair, complete with family pet and borrowed goat. The Giant Spider was my first mim film, and definitely not my last. Awesome. That's cool. Now, of course, right after that, it's one star. Do not care for this movie. Okay. Then after that, another one star. It's a one star review, so for whatever reason, they used the wrong two. It should be T-O-O, but they used T-O. I don't know what it is. It's just the way it happens. One star. And they said, to say this movie sucks is too good for it. T-O. Two. Well, thanks, I guess. I mean, what am I supposed to say? Now, lastly, and this is the most recent one, five stars. What a treat. I love a good throwback giant creature film, and this one delivered. Mr. Mim does a wonderful job of creating these types of movies. I would highly recommend checking out his other works as well if you're into the 50s, 60s style of sci-fi and horror films. Well, thank you, sir. You seem like somebody who knows what he's talking about. And every single word in your review, which is insightful, and uh, more than four or five words, everything was spelled right. You even used the correct version of your. Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. Your, as in, I would highly recommend checking out his other works as well if you're into 50s, 60s style of sci-fi and horror films. Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. Very well done, sir. I appreciate it. All right, I'll stop being snarky. As always, thank you very much for being a fan of my films and for checking out my little podcast. And check out uh, uh, the other podcasts, too. Check out The Phantom Like Almanac. And, of course, the Mimiverse Bonfire podcast is still around, and you should listen to that as well. I know Mark and Ruby would really appreciate it. Plus, you get stuff there you don't get here, and vice versa. So, please check it out. For now, I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Bob Tesla of Midnight Monster Movies with Dr. Bob, host of the upcoming Mimathon 24-hour marathon of all of my films at the Gateway Film Center in Columbus, Ohio, which you should totally go to. And don't forget to visit MidnightMonsterMovies.com to learn everything you need to know. Dr. Bob, 
Take it away. <laughs> it is I, Dr. Bob Tesla, with your Mimiverse Joke of the Month. A man got a job with the county highway department painting lines down the center of the highway. His boss told him that he was expected to paint two miles of highway a day, and the man started work that very next day. The first day, the man painted four miles. The supervisor thought, this is great. This man will work out excellent. The next day, the man was only able to paint two miles, and the supervisor thought, well, that's what we said to do. That's, that's good enough. The third day, the man only painted one mile, and the boss called him into the office and said, what's the problem? And the man said, well, I'm getting farther and farther away from my paint bucket. Come out April 9th for Vampire Ticks from Outer Space presented in Dajorama. Plus, you'll want to be at the Gateway Film Center on April 16th and 17th for the Mimathon. 24 hours of Christopher R. Mim films, including a special appearance by Justin Overlander's The Bequeather. Come on out and cheer on your favorite Mim movie because we will be voting on which one was the best out of the first decade of the Mimiverse. Tickets are on sale now, $25 in advance, $30 at the door. We will also be having three special editions of the Mimiverse films that you won't see anywhere else. Plus, we will have rare Mimrobilia and silent auctions. Come on out to the Gateway Film Center April 16th and 17th. Thank you, Dr. Bob. I will see you soon at the Mimathon. And now, as we've been doing for, what, 14 weeks now? We uh, have the latest chapter in the ongoing Canoe Cops vs. the Mummy serial written by Stephen D. Sullivan, who is crazy talented, and you need to remind him of that as much as you possibly can. You can now join his Patreon page and get tons of other cool stuff, too. Support him, please, by visiting his Patreon at CushingHorrors.com, C-U-S-H-I-N-G-H-O-R-R-O-R-S.com. Give the guy a couple of bucks, or even just let him know that you love his work, because I can speak for all people who do creative endeavors, the only thing comparable I was going to say better, but it's not necessarily better. The only thing comparable to someone throwing money at you for what it is you do is just letting them know that you like what it is they do. We creative types live on adulation and praise. It's true. We're all fragile people. But that's okay. If you get a chance, let Mr. Sullivan know that you love his work. Go to stephendsullivan.com or CushingHorrors.com. Throw him some money. He deserves it. Especially for all the entertainment he's been giving us over the last year of the Canoe Cops versus the Mummy serial, which there are only five chapters left, folks. Chapter 19 is the last. And here we are at Chapter 14, which is entitled Incident on the Road, a.k.a. Scene of the Accident. And it goes something like this. Get into the car, Gustav. I'll explain along the way. And hang on. Whoa, what's important enough right now to risk a car wreck? Car wreck, ha! Huh? Funny you said that, Gustav, old chum, because that's exactly what it's about. Or how it started, anyway. So I was driving home, eh? At this hour of the evening, that's very unlike you, Sven. While I'm something of a night owl, usually you're up with the birds at the crack of dawn. Unless, okay, you caught me, buddy. I took Rachel Evans, that little bartender from the Vista Gardens, out dancing. Dancing? 
Why, Sven, you sly dog. You can rib me about that later, pal, okay? But right now I gotta tell you what I gotta tell you before we get to Canoe Cop HQ. Is that where we're bound? Absolutely. And when you hear what I have to say, you'll understand why. Do tell then. So I'm taking Rachel home after dancing, right? And I drop her off at Banning's boarding house all safe and sound, you know. Banning's? Is that where that ruffian Burl Shaw was killed a few days back? Yeah, two days ago. And the place is still a wreck. I mean, they boarded over the big hole that got knocked in the wall, but there's still the police tape up and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I get Rachel there and drop her off all safe and sound and then meander my way back toward my own domicile. The moonlight's beautiful tonight, so I decided to take the long route. Nice night for a drive, I think. And maybe, I'll admit, I do need a little wind-down time after being out with Rachel. A dish like that you don't just set aside and go right to sleep, if you know what I mean, Gustav. Indubitably. But as I'm driving down this lonely wooded road on the northeast side of town, suddenly I spot something. A car wreck. And I mean, not just any old vehicle run off the road or something. This car is flipped clean over onto its top, and it's crunched up something fierce. Though there's no drop-offs or any kind of thing like that there, or pretty much anywhere in Phantom Lake for that matter, that could flip a car. Weirder still, there's all these stray cats prowling around the automobile. I mean, like everywhere. It's as if they've got the thing surrounded. A few are even pacing on top of the car. And by that, I mean the bottom, because it's upside down, remember? And there's steam coming from the Chevy's underside, which is now the roof, and looks like this accident, whatever it was, must have just happened just a few minutes ago. Plus, did I mention this? The vehicle in question is a police car. PLPD's finest. Good heavens. Yeah, that's what I thought too. So naturally I stopped to render assistance. First off, I chase the cats away just so I can get to the car. And that takes some doing, let me tell you. Guess those cats must have been hungry or something. Eventually, I approach the vehicle, and as I do, the passenger side door creaks open, and who should tumble out but our very own Richard Agar. Lieutenant Agar in the flesh. He's got a big scrape on his forehead, but it's not bleeding too badly, and he looks pretty dazed. Nikki, he mumbles blearily. Nikki was driving. We gotta get her out. Right, Lieutenant, I say, and hop to it. It only takes him and me a few moments to wrestle open the crunched-up driver's side door of the Chevy. Sure enough, there she is, acting Chief Nicky Sheridan, lying on the roof, which you'll remember is now the floor, of the car. She looks a lot more beat up than Rich does, and she's out cold. She took off her seatbelt just before the car flipped, Rich says. I guess mine saved me. Why would she take off her seatbelt if you two were going to be in a car crash, I ask. We didn't crash, Rich tells me. A mummy rolled the squad over like a barrel. Pardon, Sven, but, uh, a what? That's what I said to Gustav, but Lieutenant Agar merely replies, I don't have time to explain right now. We have to get Nikki to the hospital and then find that thing. It kidnapped Julie. Right, I respond, and we load Nikki into the back of my Dodge as gently as we can. Rich and I climb in and I hit the gas. So what's this about Julie Browning being abducted? I ask as we head for the hospital. She got kidnapped by some sort of mummy, Rich elaborates. Yeah, that's what happened, as nutty as it sounds. And no, I didn't get hit on the head that bad. And no, I haven't been drinking. You're just going to have to trust me on this. Sure thing, Lieutenant, I reply. Though part of me is thinking that maybe Dr. McDonough should check him out, too, when we get to St. Mary's. If only we could figure out where that thing is taking her, he muses. 
The mummy, I ask? Just to be sure. Yeah, that's what it looked like. Like in that floating exhibit that's opening to the public tomorrow down at the docks? Because you know, Gustav, to me, this is still seeming like some kind of delusion our temporary commander-in-chief might be having. Rich snaps his fingers. Sven, that's it. You're a genius. I am? I mean, I am. I pause a moment to enjoy the compliment. Then I ask, how am I a genius? Where else would the mummy take her but to that exhibit? Rich says. It has to be tied in somehow. It does? There's only one way to find out, he says. The docks are almost on the way to the hospital. You can drop me off and then take Nikki there. If you're sure, Lieutenant, I've never been more sure about anything in my life. So when we get near the docks, I pull over and Rich jumps out. Do you have a paddle? He asks. Sure, in back. I always carry one with me. Give it to me. But, Lieutenant, you don't have a canoe, I point out. I'll improvise, he says. Right now, you need to get Nikki to the hospital as fast as you can. Then round up every canoe cop available and meet me at the Lady Newbury. Every? Everybody, he insists. That's an order. Yes, sir, Lieutenant, I say, saluting. And with that, he's off at a run for the docks where the Lady Newbury lies tied up. So I take Nikki to the hospital, give you a call while I'm there, and grab you on the way to HQ. And here we are. That's amazing, Sven. I don't know whether to believe this outlandish tale or not. Though strange things certainly have been happening around here lately. I don't know either, Gustav, old buddy, but I do know that the lieutenant gave me an order and I intend to follow it to the best of my ability. As you should, old friend. Ah, here we are now. Let's hope a few of our fellow officers are still awake enough for enlistment in this bizarre errand. Lars, Uli, glad you're here. I've never been so happy to see you guys. Look at what the cat dragged in, Uli. Ja, Lars, Sven und Gustav, more cat vomit. <laughs> we gotta get out to the docks, you guys. There's an emergency. I need every last canoe cop. We've got a job to do. We're doing our jobs, aren't we, Lars? We're relaxing and manning the phones in case of a real emergency. Yeah, emergency. To Norwegians like these two, everything is an emergency, isn't it, Uli? Why don't you nervous Nellies go home and sleep it off? Well, if you two won't listen to me, maybe you'll listen to Sergeant Gustav. Gustav, old pal, I think it may be time to pull rank. Take it away. This is no time for your nationalistic claptrap, you Danish dunderheads. There's a living mummy on the loose in Phantom Lake, and we have to help Lieutenant Agar before things get completely out of hand. Now hop to it. Dun, dun, dun. You know, I have to say it's way too fun doing those ridiculous accents. Lars und Uli, yeah. Next up, Chaos on the Water. Next month, Chapter 15, as we make our way toward the end of the Canoe Cops versus the Mummy serial. I'm not entirely sure what we're going to do afterwards, but we'll do something fun. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. I want you to never forget these very important words. Be good. But if you can't do that, be good at it. Talk to you again soon, and hopefully I'll see you somewhere along the way. Bye.